Hi, it's Dan from Desert Island Dicks. This episode features the wonderful Callie Beaton, and despite me having a cold and being a bit croaky, we managed to discuss, amongst other things, naked rodents and bad reviews we've had. Interestingly, since recording, I got a review calling this podcast a one-stop shop for left-wing propaganda, which was interesting. I mean, I try and play the dicks as they're dealt, as it were, uh, so I'm not quite sure why the reviewer thinks I'm, in his words, a fawning lefty sycophant. I mean, if he'd heard Tony Law's episode, he'd have us being very mean about the decidedly left-wing Joseph Stalin, but maybe he didn't get that far, and it's a shame. But he still gave us two stars, so it couldn't have all been bad. And if you've not heard all our episodes, then why not take a dip into our back catalogue, because there's well over a hundred in there with loads of great guests. And once you've decided how you feel, why not subscribe and leave us a nice review. A nice review. Right, now let's get on with Desert Island Dicks with Callie Beaton. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest and here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is comedian, writer and business mentor Callie Beaton. Hello. Hi there, how are you doing? Good, thank you. How's things? They're all right. I've just had a horrible feeling when you said um, Dan Benedictus and I had a horrible feeling that in one of my emails, because I've got an email from you in front of me, that I might have called you Ben. I guess called Ben a lot. Do you? So it's not just me. I probably wouldn't even have noticed if you had. I was thinking, is Ben normally short for Benedictus? But clearly, as that is not your first name, that is not a very good conversation starting point. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I've even got called Ben by people who've never known my surname. So I think I just look like a Ben. You do look like a Ben. Did your parents sometimes call you by the wrong name as well? Or did they tend to get it right? Well, they called me by my brother's names, but not, not by a completely different name. OK, so. but are your brothers called Ben? <laughs> No, they're not, no. Okay. Yeah, they stopped short of Ben Benedictus, I think it would have been. It would have been a bit, a bit much. Well, that's the yeah. Ben material burnt, isn't it? We'll have to, <laughs> have to move on to something else. <laughs> um, how did you find the process of uh, whittling down your choices for the island today? Do you know, it's funny because um, I like to, I'm not exactly a hippie, uh, but I do, I'm a bit of a believer in not punching down to people. I try to be kind to people. And I think particularly because of lockdown, this isn't going to make me the absolute wrong choice of guest for you. (laughs) But I think because of lockdown, there's been a real lack of kindness. So everyone I was thinking of, I was like, you know, for the worst people, I know we'll come on to that, but I was going to do Kanye West. And then I thought, well, no, he's actually got you know mental health problems and that's like a serious thing even though he's really irritating and so I kept coming up with people and things and the things were easier but the people I was like oh but that's really mean so um but and even a couple that I've chosen when I came to think about it I thought I think that just makes me a bit of a twat that I hate that but we'll come on to it so I I think um I've turned into a bit of a kind of let's spread good karma Mm. kind of a lockdown human and this um this of I appreciate this is a humorous nice kind-hearted podcast but yeah I I found it harder than I thought Hmm. I mean despite doing this podcast I do try and be positive myself and when when I sort of I suppose my my uh 
loophole for doing this is that maybe if we kind of release our anger in short controlled bursts then we can get on with the rest of the day i like that and and, you know that's sort of that's what that's my caveat to myself pretending i'm actually a decent person yeah i think there's um, i did a thing called the hoffman process last year that is all about expressing your uh your innermost feelings and i found it excruciating because i thought god i'm very aware of myself and i can talk about where I'm at but expressing them so this is a much less painful way to express anger than some of the things I did in a remote farmhouse in Sussex but that's a story for another day (laughs) great okay well let's get straight into it then who's going to be your first choice for the island Uh, so uh, Pretty Patel is up there Mm -hmm. as I think probably I'm not the only person who might like not to spend much time with her at the moment Mm. so yeah I um, and it's difficult isn't it when there's someone you really don't like and then you see them on these briefings I mean, to be fair, I was thinking, is there anyone who does the briefings either here or in the States where you go, what a top yeah. man or woman? I think, I mean, you feel kind of sorry for the medical experts, uh, but beyond that, the politicians aren't coming out of this well. So I did think anyone who has to stand up at that horribly branded podium is going to get a rough ride. But I am, um, yeah, I mean, I've obviously pretty, I say obviously, you wouldn't know my politics, but like 97% of the comedy community, I am not right wing. Uh, and I think anyone who is self-declaredly at the right wing end of the Tory party, which she is, um, is, yeah, wouldn't get my vote as, as the best kind of human being to hang out with. Um, and she, you probably know, or you may know that she, she famously mod, sort of modelled herself on Margaret Thatcher. It was Thatcher that made her want to get in into politics and I, I'm a little bit older than Pretty Patel but not much I think she's three years younger than me so I also grew up with Thatcher as a sort of I mean a strong female role model for sure but not one I wanted to emulate so it's interesting mm. so so I so yes so I, I don't like the fact that she's a Thatcherite don't like the fact that she voted leave and was such a vocal proponent of vote leave don't like the fact when she was in PR she lobbied for alcoholism not alcoholism for alcohol and tobacco industries so she's really got a history of getting yeah. on the wrong side of things and most of all I don't like the fact about all these um, bullying allegations so that's what's really got my dander up worse is that she doesn't seem to have a very good rep as a decent human even to people around her so that's what that's the final straw yeah. that broke Pretty's back for me yeah and she has the unfortunate thing of I mean at least some of them pretend not to like the bad news that they're dishing out but I think she has sort of you know people talk about resting bitch face but she's sort of got resting smug face hasn't she it's like she looks so pleased with herself all the time and it probably is just a facial tick but she just looks so happy about all the bad news all the time yeah, I think Michael Michael Spicer did a really good. Uh, do you watch his um, Do you watch his stuff? Uh, I haven't seen it. No. Oh, uh, he's brilliant. So he does. He he he's gone sort of really big in lockdown. So he basically voices over the other half of interviews. He takes political kind of um, speeches. Yeah. Oh yes, no, sorry, I do know him. Yes. Yeah, whatever he's called, the not the guy next door. But I'm not. I'm not. Um, You're very eloquent about Michael Spicer. But anyway, his one of um, Pretty Patel was excellent. And he does say, can you just say anything without looking so smug? Pretty No, okay, you just keep looking smug. She also has a real sort of teenagers, as someone who has got teenagers, she's got the enunciation of a sort of smug kind of, yeah, mum, sort of intonation as well. So, yeah, I I mean, I'm loath to 
criticise any woman in the public eye on her looks, but I think her look, in terms of the look in her eye and on her face, is fair game. Mm. So, yeah, I agree. There's just something very... And she's also... Nothing sticks, does it? She got fired, didn't she, a couple of years ago for whatever it was she was doing over in um, Israel with all those unauthorised yeah. meetings. And then she bounced back into the same party in a bigger job. And I thought, well, that's... It's impressive, really, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, she's... Um, and you know what most of all I think is sad is that she could be a massive role model, couldn't she, mm. for young women wanting to get into politics? Um, and, and you could be like, what an inspirational woman. But it's a shame, isn't it, what with her and Theresa May, I'm not know. sure <laughs> this generation of, of aspirational politicians are quite getting what they might need. Yeah. It's, it's funny, isn't it? We're just I just always think of her sort of being so happy when she was kind of announcing the end of freedom of movement and you just kind of think whatever side you're on it works both ways like you you, you can feel strongly about immigration but still maybe want to live abroad someday and you've just like ended that for everyone and you're so happy about it and it's it's so galling especially now when you're kind of used to not having to go into the office and you start thinking well maybe I could move somewhere more interesting and less polluted and no, no, I can't. <laughs> I know, I know. And it also feels that there's almost a kind of, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not comparing her to Donald Trump, to the orange-faced one, but I do think she has a, she's really playing to the kind of right wing of the right, isn't she? Mm. And she's very much, she, she yeah, she, you can see just like Trump does, she's kind of like, she knows she's going to really piss off a lot of the country, but she's like those real dyed-in-the-wool mm. right-wing people are going to love this. So no, I, she, um, she could not embody less of what I would be interested in uh, politically or ethically so no, the thought of having to be and imagine waking up on a desert island to that smug face yeah. that teenage voice and those horrible opinions exactly. so yeah I wouldn't even want to get stuck on a you know imagine getting well you wouldn't be stuck in an uber with her now because you wouldn't be allowed in if she wasn't <laughs> in your bubble but she's the sort of person if you did get stuck on a sort of broken down train with for 20 minutes you'd be like oh Christ can mm. you make this stop so yeah. yeah and I think yeah it very very divisive sort of person and yeah having that on the island you know she'll sort of divide and conquer or attempt to or you know sort of talk about I don't know if you're bringing in enough fish that day or things like that I can imagine her sort of being really sort of oh, I don't know just quite snidey to be around and she won't let anyone leave the island or join the island yeah. because she's very clear on borders so even if something even if a, even if a ship came by she'd be like no 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 you haven't completed the uh, prerequisite paperwork you're staying on the island yeah. so I don't like uh, I wouldn't like her freedom of movement yeah. uh, stance uh, upon a desert island either but they're sending a lifeboat to save us it's like well <laughs> exactly. you know I don't think they're sending their brightest and best <laughs> So we'll turn them around again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good choice, a good choice. Well, who will be joining her with you on the island? Well, uh, the next person, which won't mean uh, anything to some people listening, but it will mean anything to anyone in the comedy community mm -hmm. or any people who are big consumers of comedy. So Steve Bennett from Chortle. So you obviously know, uh, Dan, not Ben, <laughs> that Steve Bennett is, uh, he, he runs uh, the Chortle website, which is, you know, the big sort of, I don't know, how would you describe it? Like the comedy... It's a big sort of UK comedy hub, I suppose, of reviews yeah. and things, isn't it? And Reviews, listings. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like it's a directory it's, almost. Yeah, kind of like a directory. And it's and it, it has more, as many things do when you are a comedian, it has more power than it would make sense that it has if you were to look from the outside in i mean it's got kind of a really crappy sort of goofy 1980s style kind of animated graphic and it's not um it, 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 there's nothing world beating about the site were you to go to it although we do all kind of look at it and use it but um so he's become uh, a sort of self-styled 
influencer in the comedy world mm. really so he does have a lot of influence and he's notoriously um don't know if i can use the c word on this yeah go for but it but he can yes he can be quite cunty in his reviewing styles of people and he um he he's never been a fan of mine he saw me um uh, which doesn't make him a bad person albeit it means he's got terrible taste but he saw, he was one of the judges um i did the bbc uh, radio 4 uh, comedy sort of new act i did it a couple of times and you go you know you go out on a heat live on radio 4 and it's quite a big deal when you're a new mm. comedian and i just could see his face like throughout my material like he everyone else was laughing who were judging and he hated me um i didn't get through i can't blame that on steve bennett but he did i just dug up i'm just going to get it up i did <laughs> i dug up my review that he did so i did a show in edinburgh last year remember when edinburgh was mm. a thing and um he came and reviewed me gave me three and a half stars and anyone will tell you no one wants a half star no. that's just annoying and then he said his headline was um invisible my show is a stunning piece of storytelling frustratingly wedded to a big chunk of lazily mediocre comedy um and he then sort of lays into me and he's um he says when she mentions iceland you know there'll be a joke about the shop when she mentions a cat you know there will be a joke about her pussy and she doesn't disappoint or rather she does what a pity so um oh. i think that's not that i'm bitter but uh <laughs> so that's one of uh, any yeah he then goes on to write a review that basically says what a phenomenal show it is but for my jokes mm. um but he's always been uh yeah he's just always been very dismissive of me and I suppose, I don't even know Steve Bennett, he might be the most charming person were I to get to know him on a desert island, but I wouldn't want him reviewing my capacity to cut down palm trees or rub together sticks or whatever yeah. it is I'd be doing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and they do, and, and critics do have a bit, critics can really play havoc with the mental health of us comedians. So yeah. I think, you know, let's have a pop at him. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's such a tricky one with critics, isn't it? Because it's that sort of, well, obviously everything's subjective anyway and you know it's sort of part of the problem with the world I think is now everyone's a critic and I just sort of think like with whole, huge swathes of trip advisor I just think well I, I don't know who these people are I don't know what your taste is so who cares you know I, I, unless you're someone who's a mate of mine who has a similar interest it doesn't matter what you think you know what I mean and I don't like the sort of the kingmaker aspect of some of these people. It's kind of, you know, like a big golden hand pointing down, like I can make or break you. It's, it's kind of troubling for me, I think. Yeah. And it's very, and it's also so, uh, inevitably it's so subjective, but the, ever since I've been a comedian, I've, whenever you see horrendous reviews for anything, for films, for, you know, musical performances, you think, I know you can't give people stuff just for trying, but you think what people have put into doing Edinburgh shows and stuff, and then it takes one person mm. to come in and annihilate it. And then even if you, unless you don't read the reviews, you know, it does affect you. So I think, yeah, there is, um, and, and of course, then there's the big scandal in our business before the scandal of there not being any comedy because we can't <laughs> perform it. In the luxurious days when we had other things to complain about, it's getting so hard to get reviewers in as well. So like even getting Steve Bennett to my show was really hard, mm. only for him to then be a bit of a wanker. So um, I, I really put him on the island as someone I would not like to be with to represent all mean reviewers and mean people who try and take people down. Yeah, absolutely. I've We got a one-star review for this podcast recently, and I, what made me really angry is I think that you can edit your responses on iTunes. So I think they went and added an, uh, a response, and I came back to it recently and I saw it again. I was like, 
I'm sure this was different before. So you've kind of thought about it, thought it's shit, gone to the effort of leaving a review, then thought, I think I could leave a better one than that, and then amended it. I was like, God, if I ever find you, uh, well, I won't do anything, but I'll be very cross in my head on my own. So an amended one-star review. So yeah. I'm going to give you one star, and then I've got some better reasons for the one star, and I'm just going to supplement them, yeah. but keep the stars one. Yeah, that's... Yeah, well, I mean, now I feel quite blessed that Steve Bennett, as far as I know, <laughs> didn't go and add in any more <laughs> nasty things about me on that review. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the thing. Like, we've all got our opinions, and I think it's fine to share them with people, but I, it's like... I don't know. I know people who are kind of really into leaving reviews of places you'll be in a pub with them and they'll leave a review on on google or whatever and i think but but none of these people know who you are it's pointless like no one gives a shit about you like go and do something and then people will give a shit about what you have to say about the thing you know yeah that's true although conversely lots of comedy clubs really rely on TripAdvisor reviews don't they so i think like angel comedy are big fans of trying to get everyone to go on TripAdvisor no. and put reviews on so i guess on the touristy, to getting tourists into venues, yeah. you know, then we like it. We just, what we don't like is if they say anything we don't like. I mm. mean, I think that's the that's the reasonable assumption to make, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And I, as you, you sort of alluded to earlier, just having him on the island, sort of picking away, or even if he wasn't being mean about you, because of his history, anything you do in the back of your mind, or at least I would, I'd always just assume that he's like watching me like the way I do anything he'll be sort of judging it and and critiquing it in his mind even if he's just having a perfectly nice time thinking of something else he might be daydreaming and I would think you're just critiquing my bants Steve and you don't think I'm funny so yeah I I think I've decided he's he's taken a gin me so I don't think he'd like to be with me on a desert island Mm -hmm. either so I think I'm probably doing him a favor yeah (laughs) okay so he joins you and uh, who's the third third person to join the the three of you well this is going to be quite busy on the island now uh, because I want all the 25 celebrities who were in that horrible imagine video that isolation thing that was done at the start of lockdown yes um did you see it yeah is it Gal Gadot is it Gadot or Gadot I don't know. I'm going to call her Gado, like yeah. Bardo. Yeah. But yeah, she so she got all her celebrity mates, and probably not all her celebrity mates, but she got some quite cool people, mm. like Kristen Wiig and Chris O'Dowd and people. And yeah, I'm sure everyone listening will have seen it. And I had a quick look at it again before we spoke, just to see if I really meant that that was a choice. And I, it was, <laughs> it was the way they were all so. First of all, they all thought they were so beautiful, especially Gal, who is beautiful. Mm. But it was all kind of. It was all like, look, at I'm just, oh, I'm so beautiful on the outside and, and actually I'm very beautiful on the inside yeah. because I'm sharing this moment with you. But of course, the worst thing was, that was just what everyone was like, you know, frontline workers are our heroes, piss off <laughs> anyone with any privilege. And it was like, you've so misread the mood of the world. There are people bringing up three kids in one bedroom mm. without any toilet paper and no outside <laughs> space and you're in your bleeding mansion going, imagine there's no heaven. So yeah, it was, it was just, it was like a spoof of of something to make people feel better in a global pandemic it was hard to believe it was done seriously yeah because it's funny because i think there was like this real initial burst at the beginning of like right let's all organize quizzes on zoom and little sort of pretend house parties and you know and people did the rainbows in the in the houses so you could walk around with your kids and go oh let's see how many rainbows we can spot and like really wholesome nice things and i think we got like with panic buying, we kind of peaked way, way too early when actually you need that stuff further down the line. But by that point, we're all used to it anyway. And you don't need these little sort of bonus sort of uh, things to brighten your day. And with them, it's like, obviously, you know, if you're a comic or an artist or an actor, 
by all means, release some entertaining content for us all to enjoy in lockdown. But it's like this kind of, this is this will heal the world. This is what they need. And we're like standing there going, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for bestowing us with your beautiful voices and beautiful faces. And it's like, what is it? <laughs> I don't need that. Yeah. I know. I can't remember if the Madonna one came out before or after this one. I think it might have been after when, you know, when she lay in the bath and said what an equaliser. Uh, it was as she was in her sort of 35 room house wherever she is but I think it was um it was I'm sure you saw that did you see the Will Hislop um his I think it was I think the title of it was you know your aunt's reaction to the Thursday clap and it was him um sort of clapping and under his breath going well is that really your you know first run of the day and I think I saw you you know do and it was all just the bitchy stuff that everyone had started to think so yeah it was when the Thursday clap went sour um because I looked first time there was one I I had little cry in, in mm. inside didn't let anyone see um but by the end even the person who invented it was like i think you should stop doing it now yeah. didn't she the, the dutch woman yeah. so um but yeah i did hear i don't know if you listened to um louis theroux's grounded podcast that he's been doing through lockdown mm. and he's mates with chris o'dowd and he um and chris o'dowd i think is his guest on the last episode and he immediately like within about four minutes it's <laughs> like mate what were you thinking and chris o'dowd takes it in very good spirit actually and he said he he's a mate of Kristen wiggs and he didn't really he said he was only sort of half listening when she said could you do could you do that he thought it she does a lot of stuff for um for different charities mm. and he thought maybe it's for unicef or something yeah. he hadn't really read the brief <laughs> so he said when he did it, he had no idea it was going to be a bunch of really privileged <laughs> holly Roday lesters trying to tell the world that they were okay mm. so yeah i think um I, I do like some of the individual celebrities who did it so by getting all 25 of them onto the island and saying i hate them for doing this I, I could also get a couple of people on I'd like to meet. Yeah. So it's a bit of a sleight of hand way to do this. But I think there's like lots of nice, interesting people in the group. But I think putting them all together, it's like a sort of unbearable end of year party at a drama school or something where they're all nice individually, <laughs> but the collective energy and sort of like, I think also as Brits, like the utter self-belief doesn't sit well with us always, you know. And I also think with Imagine, iconic song, but it's sort of like that song of is just going, hey, I'm just going to sit here and say, imagine if everything was better and that's like me actually doing something, but it's not really useful in any way. So to use that song and then compound that feeling by doing it again is just, I don't know, it's kind of something beautiful in a, in a horrendous sort of way. It was like a spoof. If Little Britain had done a spoof of, a, of pop stars and Hollywood A-listers coming together to do a little thing in a global pandemic that was entirely mistimed and mistuned, <laughs> they couldn't have done better. Also, I did think, talking of drama students, you know, we're all doing a lot of Zoom. You're there looking very dapper in your kitchen. <laughs> uh, and uh, I just thought, gosh, some of them also just have made no effort to set it up properly. Like they're not even in fully in, you know, in sort of on screen and they're, they're not. I just thought, that, why do these people not know how to film themselves better than this? So yeah. I also got a bit irked. <laughs> but I'd say about a third of them were very poor quality videos. Yeah. And I really thought they should have known better. <laughs> Fair enough. I think it's a very, very good choice indeed. So I've got 27 people who I don't want to be with. That's a lot, isn't it? That is quite a lot. But I mean, I don't know, maybe depending on how long you get, you're there and and how divisive Pretty Patel is, you know, you might whittle that down a little bit, either by cannibalism or, or deportation. So we'll see how yeah, you get on. I'm going to allow definitely it. Be a, you're going to allow it. Great. No, there would be a Lord of the Flies type vibe, I think, with Pretty in the mix. <laughs> and then Steve Bennett could write it all up and put it on his website. So yeah, 
<laughs> lovely, lovely. Now, amongst the wreckage of the plane, mercifully, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they and why are they so bad? So, uh, prawns mm-hmm. are my worst food in the world. And do you know, I have absolutely no basis for prawns being my worst food in the world. I just hate the look of them. I hate the thought of them. I was vegetarian from when I was about 13 for about 12 years. Mm. So some quite formative years. I ate no, no meat, no fish. And so maybe at the time as a teenager when I'd have been on holiday with my parents or something and I'd have eaten a prawn, I never ate a prawn. And then I decided, um, I'm not mad, but I did decide I was probably allergic to prawns based on nothing. (laughs) But I think I just didn't like the look of them. And I've managed to go through my whole life (laughs) hating prawns, but never having eaten one, (laughs) apart from prawn cocktail crisps, which I do like. And then I went to a friend's house for dinner um, just before lockdown. And she's a single mum of a little kid, uh, you know, baby. And she works full time. And she'd made me... uh, I think it was a risotto or something, and she'd made it on the back of everything else she had going on. I'm just sitting in her kitchen, lazing around while she's <laughs> cooking, and the babies. I was helping the baby vaguely, and then she served it up, and it was prawn risotto. And I thought, literally, what am I going to do? I can't, I can't not eat the prawns. It's like too obvious. And she's slaved away over this thing, so I did eat them, and I absolutely hated every mouthful of them. <laughs> and then I, then then I was thinking, well, I'm probably going to die because we all know that I'm allergic to prawns based on no information. Uh, so then I was literally waiting for the food poisoning uh, or the ambulance to need to be caught. And I was totally fine. So really, <laughs> I proved to myself, I just have an irrational uh, thing against prawns. <laughs> well, they do. I mean, a lot of things, a lot of seafood, if you saw that on land, that you wouldn't go near it. Like a lobster. You've seen the underside of a lobster. It's like... That's where they got the idea for the face huggers and aliens, surely. I mean, it's like there's so much going on down there. It's like you can't need all those appendages and, and bits. And a, a prawn is like a scaled down sort of every man's lobster, isn't it? It's like, and do they have, is it prawns that have the little blue, like the sometimes they're pregnant, is that right? And they have like eggs and you have to take the eggs out? I thought it was prawn? more like a sort of a poo tube. I don't know, like a like oh, an, a poo- in, intestine or something. So I couldn't think of the word for intestine for a minute there. A poo tube, which is very, it could see your brain's alive and well in lockdown. <laughs> I, have you been home educating your child uh, in biology? Yeah, luckily, <laughs> he's, he's not old enough for that, so he spared my, my uh, knowledge. But uh, yeah, I, I just think they're just weird-looking animals, aren't they? So I can understand anyone being slightly un, untrusting of them. And also anything which might... Is it shrimps or prawns where people quite often... Is it, it's shrimps, I think, isn't it, where people... You get big shrimps, giant shrimps, king shrimps. I think that... I don't know. I never know when I a shrimp eat becomes a, sh- a prawn, but I mean... I mean, I wouldn't eat... Maybe they're king prawns. I mean, I wouldn't eat... I don't know what a shrimp is compared to a prawn, but I wouldn't eat any such thing. And I do know when I've sat next to people... My boyfriend likes prawns, so he'll order king prawns. Mm. And then you have to rip them apart, don't you? Take yeah. off whatever bits you do. And then they have that poo tube. Mm. And then you have to take that out with like a fork or whatever you do. And I just think anything where you're pulling out poo with a fork yeah. and you're ripping off half its skull, I don't think I'd want to be eating what was left. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I have no problem with prawns, but I, I absolutely... You do now. Yeah, and I completely <laughs> see your reasoning. It all makes sense. And yeah, when you have to dissemble the animal on your on your plate, it's like... You know, when you go abroad and sometimes, like, we're quite squeamish in this country about what we eat and, and sort of the origins of it. So 
But sometimes you go to other countries and there'll be like prawn cocktail crisp and there'll be like a little cartoon prawn or a cartoon squid or something going, well, hey, eat me. And we always find that quite weird. But that is what happens with the prawn. You just see the whole thing on your plate. You know, if you had to like take down a cow and open it up and everything. <laughs> see, I'd be, I'd be on for that. I'd be like, I don't know why. I'd be like, if I was stuck in you know, a if on the island, a cow ambled across and somebody needed to, you know, get stuck in and and make that into food, I could manage that. But there's something about, it's like mussels. I don't, do you like mussels? Yeah, I mean, this part of the podcast, I always have to point, I'm, I'm, I'm not that squeamish about food, really. So I'm kind of pretty much game for most things. Um, but I also do understand why all seafood is quite weird. Just stuff, from, we don't know what's going on under the, under the sea. I mean, it's just where all the weird stuff is, isn't it? Although increasingly, we don't know what's going on over the sea either, do we? So maybe that's <laughs> the place to be. But no, I, I've, I've just got an irrational... I've got an irrational disliking of prawns. I think that's that's evident at this point. <laughs> I think that's fair. And also very likely to sort of be around on the island. And, and, and I think probably one of those things that you could sort of not quite cook enough and get ill from. So you don't want that on top of everything else on the island. So that's fair. Although enough. I suspect... I think being on a desert island and not being willing to eat seafood would probably be self-elected suicide. So I think you probably, because you would probably run out of things to eat. So I suspect I would have to get over myself and start eating seafood uh, as a fairly uh, a fairly early on strategy in being there. But yeah, I mean, I'd rather not. Okay. And yeah, I'm standing by my prawn choice. Fair enough, fair enough. And what would you uh, wash those delicious prawns down with? Uh, that would have to be a mango lassie. Interesting. Have you had a mango lassie? I have, yeah. I, I find them quite pleasant, but so I'm interested to hear your reasoning. Well, I did. Um, I did wonder if it's so. When you had a, when you have had a mango lassie, what mm. did it taste like? It tasted of mangoes and a bit yogurty, I suppose. Yeah. So I, because I'm not sure, because you can also make them with like a soured yogurt. So I, mm. I've only ever had a mango lassie once, and I was in a um, cafe with a mate, and I thought. I saw it on the board. I thought, oh, how refreshing. And I thought it'd be like a mango. I thought it was either a tea. I didn't know what a lassie was. This is going back a while. I thought it's either going to be a tea, some sort of mango tea, or it'll be some sort of mango fruit or milkshakey type drink. Mm. And then when it appeared, it looked like a mango milkshake. I thought, nice. And then I took a big old slug on it on a summer's day and it was it, it was like curdled milk and and it had cardamom in it. And I just thought, that is a bridge too far for something that's got mango in the title to be masquerading as something that nice and sweet, but actually whatever I had was like a curdled, vile, cardamom-laced, undrinkable thing, and it didn't go with the mango, and it didn't go with me. <laughs> I do always think they're quite funny things to sort of eat with Indian food, because they can be quite... I mean, I think having milkshakes of any kind or anything like that with a meal is quite weird because they're just quite heavy things anyway and sometimes you're like eating nice indian food and then you've got to like suck up this really heavy thick thing and it's a, it's a certain feel at odds with what you're eating i mean i would eat you know at a diner when my kids were little i would happily slug down a salted caramel milkshake and fries mm. and a burger so you see it's not even i can't even pretend that i'm not a glutton and i enjoy the heaviness of it i think it's a sour when you've had one or it sounds like you mm. like them are yeah. they very sour or is it more yogurty than sour more yogurty than sort of sour maybe you just had a really badly made maybe it I was might like have done. bad yogurt or something that might have been what i actually was allergic to instead yeah. of the prawns that i pretend i was <laughs> do you think um but don't you think drinking yogurt is a, like would you drink one of those little what are they called those little yakults that would you do, do a drinking yogurt actimel 
No, I find them a bit weird. It always feels like someone's mixed lemonade and, and milk, doesn't it? It's like, yeah. Which nobody wants. I mean, I'm a big fan of all kinds of like savoury yoghurt and sweet yoghurt and things like that. As What's I say, the savoury yoghurt? You know, like a writer or something with Indian food. You get like sort of maybe some grated cucumber stirred through some yoghurt. Oh, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. a bit yeah. of cumin or something like that. You know, I'm, I'm very into that sort of thing. I went somewhere in South America where they were just, for whatever reason in that country, they were just really into yogurt drinks and you'd go to the 7-eleven there'd just be a wall of them really the idea of yogurt and drink is is a bit odd i think so i do i do see where you're coming from did they have the yogurt drinks in a refrigerated section or were they they did fortunately yeah they were they i mean i think they tried it here for a while do you remember yop oh yeah yeah they really tried to go big with that didn't they what an advertising campaign yeah so um and uh, we never the brits didn't take to yop no (laughs) but um yeah, so I, I, it does seem like a weird thing. The words yogurt and drink, I mean, yeah, they don't sit well. Especially when mine was curdled sour cream. I don't even think it was yogurt, yeah. or it was yogurt that was very, very antique. And let's be honest, this is going to be an airline-style mango lassi oh. because of the plane crash. And given that you're on an island, it is going to be curdled and warm. It's going to be so, horrible. So even if you got the nice one from first class, it's not going to be good by the time you're drinking it. It's so. definitely not. It's going to be well yeah. off. Okay. Well, I think that's very fair. Very fair. Now, uh, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One's your least favourite film of all time, and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? Well, I'm going to start with my worst song. Uh, and I've, I've just <laughs> realised this is going to make me sound really bad. So I know most people do like the Beatles. Uh, mm. And my worst song is Hey Jude, which on top of having uh, gone for the celebrities who sang Imagine, uh, <laughs> it might make uh, it might make you lose a few listeners. But um, Hey Jude, I just find it really trite and annoying and it's overplayed. And also the the na 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 uh, refrain goes on for about three and a half weeks, mm. so I don't like that. Um, so it's just I just an anno- and it's a real earworm, isn't it? When you hear Hey Jude, yeah. that's you. You've got Hey Jude with you for the night, for the weekend. You mm. might have Hey Jude with you next month. So imagine mm. if you'd got Hey Jude, Hey Jude with you at the start of lockdown, you probably would still have it ringing around yeah. your head. So I don't like it on a sort of just melody lyrics level. But then I did. Um, I didn't. I thought, oh, before I come on, I'm just going to see like what the uh, provenance was of Hey Jude. And do you know what it is? Do you know where it came from? You probably do. But didn't he write it for John Lennon's son yeah. Julian? He did, yeah. yeah. So and then I thought, oh god, then that's really mean because it's so yeah. Paul McCartney wrote it for Julian Lennon, and it was Hey Jules, and then it got changed to Jude, and that was obviously a really sweet thing to do. Is like doing something really nice for your mates, and it was it was mm. when uh, John uh, when John Lennon had just gone off with Yoko Ono and left Julian Lennon's mum. So then I thought, ah, so I've basically <laughs> picked a classic that most people in the world really find comforting that was written in a really sweet way for a kid that had been left by his dad. Uh, <laughs> so what can I tell you? I'm a bad person and Steve Bennett is correct in all he says <laughs> about me. I don't know, though. I don't think it's one of the Beatles' greatest songs for me. I think, I mean, that's the the good thing about the Beatles, I suppose, is that, there's you know, you've got things like Yellow Submarine, which is, you know, great for that's kids. That's a classic, there's, yeah. There's some quite weird stuff as well. You know, they've done such a breadth. But um, Paul McCartney, he's one of the Beatles. He's a brilliant man. But also he's sort of aged badly. You know, like you see him rock up now and you're like, oh, here's bloody McCartney going to play Hey Jude again at the Olympics. Or, you know, it becomes sort of, because of its overuse, it becomes a bit cheesy and you forget that he's 
Paul McCartney from the Beatles and you forget he's not just like some mate of your nan's sometimes, you know. Well, he wears a high-waisted slack, doesn't he? And he's got burgundy Mm. hair and he's a fan of a buttoned-up paisley shirt. And I think that is a very, very hard thing to pull off (laughs) and for anyone to go, you were so cool in your day. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm not a... I I just never was a big fan of... I did quite like some of John Lennon's stuff, but I Mm. never was a big fan of the Beatles. I'm afraid that's a horrific thing to admit. But of the things I don't like about the Beatles, which isn't everything but hey Jude yeah it's just not mm. my thing and the you know the Gal Gadot uh, cast of people singing Imagine they're going to be straight over singing on, on that aren't they they're going to love having a lovely campfire sing song every day and night to um, that I mean that's going to be unbearable and also if you feel bad about not liking something I mean, they're going to be so sort of earnest about it as well, aren't they? That's going to ruin it for you. And also, I reckon, knowing my luck, at least one of them's uh, ukulele will have survived, and perhaps someone, <laughs> and perhaps we'll find out that Kristen Wiig is a secret jazz flautist. So I think, I mean, the thought of it is unbearable. Although it would give give Steve Bennett something to write about, wouldn't it? But um, <laughs> yeah, it's an experience yeah. that I will leave for my worst nightmares. I think. Yeah, we have had people put ukulele players on the island before as well. Just so, randomly uh, as a sort of category. Yeah, yeah. As a <laughs> category of persons <laughs> they're even a category of musicians aren't they i, I mean of yeah. comedians sorry there are com- yeah. there are quite a few comedians with ukuleles a couple of whom i very much like but yes mm. they, so i like the fact that they've become a sort of subsect of society that's good <laughs> okay and what, what would your film choice be my film choice this was dead easy for me was mother mm. did you watch mother no, because it's a scary film, isn't it? It is a scary film. And I don't like scary films. No, it's funny because I don't. I don't like scary films either. And this is a horribly name droppy way to get into this. But I worked mm. for. I used to work for Viacom for years, and they own Paramount Pictures among others. So I went along to the premiere of Mother because I worked for Viacom and I got, you know, got free ticket to a premiere and um, and I was really enjoying being on the red carpet and I was, you know, looking at Jennifer Lawrence arrive and at the time she was dating Aronofsky who directed it and I was like, oh, this is so exciting. I hadn't even stopped to find out what the film was because it wasn't out by then, obviously it was just launching mm. and I absolutely hate horror films and I hate <laughs> thrillers. So it wasn't my best kind of film, but it was just absolutely shit. It was, um, it's, yeah, it's Jennifer Lawrence and I don't think it did that well so lots of people probably won't have seen it or might not even know of it Uh, but it was on general release a couple of years ago and Jennifer Mm. Lawrence and Javier Bardem live in this kind of um, remote it's a bit like a sort of amateur horror type idea so they're in this remote house and then the house becomes like an evil person and he's like Mm. a writer with writer's block and I think she can't get pregnant and the house starts doing weird and evil things and then Michelle Pfeiffer appears I can't remember why but it ends it ends up with these really quite gruesome scenes and and then at the end there's this massive like apocalypse and there's like hundreds of horrific people all in the house and then there's military devastation and and apparently there was some sort of biblical allegory they were trying to depict (laughs) the whole thing was an absolute shit show of chaos uh, and it was yeah, I, I could not believe that anyone had properly, seriously made that movie and thought that people might like it. It didn't actually get terrible reviews. It was even nominated for something, I think, at the Venice Film Festival. But mm. I bloody hated it. It sounds so stressful, you know, apart from being... It sounds like there's so much going on in this horrible, scary world. It just sounds sounds like it would really raise my blood pressure. It was which ex- I guess it's intended to. But... Yeah, it was exhausting. Well, I think that with horror... Don't you think with horror films... Any, I mean, I did like The Joker, um, which obviously is quite horrific. The, you know, the, the recent Joker mm. with um, 
however you pronounce his name, Phoenix. Uh, mm. So I don't mind something that's got some quite, and I like all the Tarantino. So I'm, I'm all right with a bit of violence and a bit of tension. But it was very yeah. stressful. You got you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I needed a lie down afterwards. I just find as life goes on, and people will say this is a bit close-minded, but you know, I've done all the day's work. I've dealt with my son. He's in bed. I just want to do something that's not going to keep me awake, you know, that's going to relax me and be mindless, you know, mindless soup for me to eat. And so my brain isn't filled with crap and I can sleep a bit before it's time to start the whole fucking process again. And maybe that makes me narrow minded. But sometimes I just want sweet, sweet respite from everything that's happened so far. You've basically just said my whole life is a horror story. Have you met my son? Uh, I need light relief <laughs> because the next day I'll be back into the horror movie myself. Maybe you... you... It's, it's more that I'm <laughs> just very lazy you know he's adorable he's wonderful my job isn't even very difficult i think i'm just very lazy so when it's uh, when the when the lights go down you wouldn't want to be scared no you're right and actually um, i mean this is the sort of thing you know you know when you go to the cinema and something's kind of shit enough that you almost think you'll walk out uh, and I definitely mm. would have walked out, but for the fact that I worked for them and I was sitting with loads of like decision makers at Paramount Pictures. So I couldn't even go, this is a load of shit. I had to sit there with a face yeah. that looked enraptured and stay there to the end and go to a drinks thing with people who were something to do with it afterwards. And it was awful. So um, if I hadn't mm. already left Viacom, I think after this, I would have had to leave. <laughs> so, but now that I'm out to the other side of working for them, uh, I can confess to the fact I thought it was one of my all-time shittest movies I've ever seen. Yeah, well, fair enough. It does sound horrendous. So I'm definitely, definitely not going to be watching it. But uh, yeah, I mean, being stuck with that, I mean, after the sing songs, let's all settle down to a nice movie and it's that, oh, just dreadful. And I imagine watching a film with a bunch of actors as well is probably really annoying because they'll, even if you hate it, they'll be telling you why you're wrong and things like that and talking about lighting. And at least three of them will have been up for Jennifer Lawrence's part and not got it. So it'll be really triggering for yeah. them that they have to watch it. So, <laughs> you know, it's like that as a comedian, isn't it? And you see somebody got the gig you were meant to get and you can barely watch them. So yeah, it would cause, it would wreak havoc among the 25 celebrities. Um, and it would, also it's the sort of thing you would have on a plane, isn't it? You know. It it would be on there mm. it would have gone straight to in-flight entertainment yeah. so i've got no doubt it would be available <laughs> uh, now finally the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals which animal is it and why it's the naked mole rat mm, yes are you familiar with the naked mole rat i am familiar with with their work uh, yeah. i think i've seen a program on them it's, it does what it says on the tin doesn't it really? exactly and you might if you've watched a program on them you know more about them than me but i just know that when we used to go my son's now a zookeeper and when we used mm. to go to um we spent a lot of time going to zoos he's autistic and his uh, obsession of choice was always animals so mm. there's not a lot i haven't seen of any zoo in this country and probably uh, most zoos in in, in other countries and um and we always used to go around the um i don't know if it's i think it's called bugs life or something at london zoo i don't know if it still is it was opened like i don't know about 15 years ago and it had all these um like butterflies and jellyfish and and little tamarind monkeys and it was a sort of nice indoor bit which had lots of interactive things so you know as a parent you're like really relieved when your kid gets somewhere that's child friendly and they can just do shit <laughs> yeah. and you might even get to finish a cup of coffee or something while they do shit so I was always really happy to get into that particular place but you'd go round the first corner I don't know if they're still there and then there were all these like there were all these like um sand tunnels uh, and then, you know, with the glass cutting halfway through the tunnels mm. so you could see into the tunnels, otherwise it would be a shit display. And then these naked mole rats, which basically, look, I think the, the, without putting too fine a point on it, they look like little 
sort of penises uh, with, with uh, yeah, that's basically what they look like. Little phallic, little weird looking. If you imagine a mole with no skin crossed with a penis, would you say yeah. that's a fair... Yeah, but with sort of rodent teeth on the front. And then horrible buck rodent teeth on the front. So if you imagine putting buck teeth on the end of any given penis and sticking mm. it in a in a tunnel at a zoo yeah. and think whether you'd like to see that. <laughs> I didn't like seeing that. No, they kind of look like they're not finished. You know, like lots of animals start off looking like that. You know, like you see the young, a young rodent without, you know, and it's sort of... It looks sort of embryonic or something like and and or like baby kangaroos. They start off not looking like a kangaroo. They're like an embryo and then they crawl into the pouch and finish growing. And it looks like that. It looks like it's come out too early and it hasn't got all the fur yet. Yeah, it's crawled into the pouch and come out too soon, I think. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And it looks and some things like we had a little um, baby great tit that fell into our garden yesterday and it was really cute. And like most baby mm. animals, they make them cute, don't they? So that everybody can like kids, they yeah. make them cute enough that you don't just go, do you know what? I'm leaving you at the 134 bus stop because I've had it. So and obviously you'd really have to, you know, the naked the naked mole rat's got a face that only a mother could love, I think it's mm. fair to say. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. did you, did you learn anything in the programme you saw about them? Because I don't even know what they do or why. No, it was a long time ago. I just, I just, I've got a very distinct image of what they look like and I know they burrow in sand, they have sandy burrows, but I don't know many, many good facts about them because I think, I don't know, I wasn't that eager to find out more. You know, it's like, here's this horrific looking thing. Oh, tell me more. You're like, no, I'll find out something about whales or something I instead. I think they have, um, yeah, well, you're very wise, I think, to have got off the naked mole rat as quickly as you can. Because I think on an, I also think on an island, because I've seen them burrowing in, in sort of sandy crevices, mm. I reckon they'd be everywhere on an island yeah. like that. And then imagine seeing those horrible little phallus uh, rats, phallic yeah. rats poking. Imagine that. Imagine you're trying to have a little bit of a sleep and up pops a phallic rat. It would be, Oof. yeah, very upsetting. They're small, I should add, for anyone else. I mean, they're only... I'd say they're sort of about as long as your finger. They're not big. I don't know if that makes it worse or not. You know, some animals are sort of less scary when they're slightly bigger. I don't know. Yeah. Just, just the idea of lots of these little things. Like, you, at least if they're big, you could avoid it. I don't know. There's, yeah, they're not. They're not one of uh, God's great, great master strokes, are they? And imagine if you put. Imagine if there was one at the end of your espadrille. You put your foot into your espadrille. Oh. I'm assuming you'd have an espadrille, and there'd be a naked mole rat. So, <laughs> and I don't suspect you could even eat them. So some some animals that are dicks, you'd be like, well, they're dicks, but they're providing us with great food. You could not. There's no meat on a naked mole rat. No, no. There's yeah. It's pointless. Pointless rubbish they're barely a meatball exactly um well i think that's a very good choice for something awful to overrun the island with and coupled with all your other choices i think you've made for a, a, a terrible place to, to spend the rest <laughs> of your life uh, which means you've succeeded beautifully in the brief so uh, well done and uh, thank you very much for coming on today and before we go is there uh, where can people sort of see or hear more from you at the minute well, that is a very good. I put a tweet out this morning saying that of my eight gigs in August, four have been cancelled because of COVID, lack of funds and ticket sales. So sadly, like all comics, it's quite hard to see me live at the moment. But anything I am doing live is um, on my website, callybeaton.com. Um, but I am doing lots of other things. I'm doing various bits of radio. I did a bit of, um, I've done a bit of telly. I've got some, uh, got a book I'm writing and a new podcast I'm going to be launching. So yeah, everything, the best thing is to follow me on social media at Callie Beaton on all the YouTube outlets um so i've got a few things on the bubble but not as much live work as i'd like like the rest of us 
Okay. Well, uh, thank you anyway for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, thanks for sharing your dicks with us. Thanks for having me. (laughs) 